It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome in to the PHNX D-backs podcast. My name is Jesse Friedman. And as always, we are joined by Patrick Lyons, who's basically just supplanted Derek on the show as far as I'm concerned. Patrick, how are you today? Doing well, doing well. Spring training's getting going. I, I can't believe it's been less than a week that we've had games. It, it feels like this has just been life forever, spring training. I, I'm ready for opening day already. Yeah, I, I age uh, pretty quickly driving from Salt River Fields downtown to the studio every day at like 4.30 p.m., like the worst time to be on the 101. Uh, so, yeah, as far as I'm concerned, it's been like an eternity that games have been happening uh, at this point. But a uh, big game for the Diamondbacks today is they faced off against the Texas Rangers, a team who they've become increasingly familiar with uh, here over the past few months for, for some reason. I'm not exactly sure why. Have they played why. each other or something? I think... Yeah. Yeah. Interleague play. I don't know that they've ever faced off actually, which is weird. You think they would have, but I don't. I don't know that they have. Yeah, they've been like natural rivals or whatever it is for you know for years now, but it's never made sense because they've never played each other in any kind of big games or anything like that. Uh, yeah, no. All jokes aside, this was technically a World Series rematch, uh, a spring training World Series rematch, which doesn't exactly carry the same weight. Uh, but here is Tori Lavello uh, answering a question before this game about what it felt like coming into a game where the Diamondbacks are facing uh, the defending World Series champions. You know what? I had um, Blaze Alexander come up to me when I was watching him take BP, and he's like, "It's a World Series rematch, man. You ready to go?" And <laughs> I, I, I felt, I felt that. You know, when he said that, I hadn't really thought much about it. But yeah, the last time that we were on the same field, they they beat us to advance. And you know, I remember doing interviews post game, and it hurt. It hurt me a lot. Um, one in particular, I was I was talking to John Verducci. I'm sorry. Tom Verducci um, and I was down underneath the tunnel and it was right when they were presenting the trophy and um, you know I heard it over the loudspeaker and now introducing your 2023 World Series champs um, Texas Rangers and that rattled me a little bit like I had to stop in the middle of that interview and kind of compose myself so those are the feelings that I had I want to see what it what it's going to feel like when I when I go back out there right now. Um, but it's another baseball game, of course, but sometimes there's a little added twist. That today might have a little extra drama. Tori Lavello saying before this one, maybe today has a little bit of extra drama, a little bit of extra meaning given what happened in October and into November. Uh, but uh, Patrick, for the, for the Diamondbacks, this one did not go especially well, as I guess the World Series also did not go especially well for the Diamondbacks as they lose this one. Uh, 10 to 3 uh, a number of a uh, number of different storylines in this one I guess the main one is Eduardo Rodriguez uh, an inning plus from him four hits allowed four runs two walks two strikeouts not great overall from uh, from Eduardo Rodriguez in this one no and we've been talking about it you know yesterday and you know there hasn't been that many uh, days where there's been a post game show but you, you take these results with a with a grain of salt uh so yeah. you know it just kind of is what it is I, I would give a nice tip of the cap to to brandon hughes who not only got eduardo rodriguez out of a jam there and in, in uh in the second inning the scoreless frame but i mean he had to he had to get ready pretty quickly right like everyone's supposed to go two innings their first time you know uh on the bump making their first spring training start and all of a sudden uh erod's not going to get through this brandon get your butt ready as quickly as possible and so for him <laughs> to come in there and, and put the fire out a little bit is is a is a nice little silver lining for today 
Yeah, I I wasn't all that concerned really with with what I saw from Eduardo Rodriguez. Uh, you know, I I think if Eduardo Rodriguez had come out and been throwing 88, 89 miles an hour, you know, if the velo was down, if the stuff didn't really look the the way that it did last year, there might have been some concerns there. But from a velo standpoint, a movement standpoint, all all of the at least numbers wise, if you're looking at, at the at the Statcast data. It's pretty much the same guy that we saw last year was really, really good for the Detroit Tigers. It just uh, it just didn't happen today for him uh, for whatever reason. I think command was was the primary issue. If we look at uh, uh, his pitch chart from this game, you'll see a lot of pitches that are not exactly in the best spot. If we go ahead and throw that up there, uh, there's a lot of a lot of pitches that are in the middle of the zone here. It kind of felt like when Rodriguez was not getting pitches in the strike zone, he just sort of went like. I'll just try to get it anywhere in the strike zone. And more often than not in, in this game, that was sort of right down the middle. Marcus Semien ambushed his very first pitch, a poorly placed middle in cutter that you see yeah. on this chart. Uh, the very first pitch that Eduardo Rodriguez threw in a Diamondbacks uniform in a Cactus League game went over the fence. Uh, not a great start, Patrick. Uh, but once again, you're you're not too concerned at this point with the results. Yeah, you want more of those four-seam fastballs to not be clustered in the middle, like like a slice of yeah. pizza. You want yeah. there to be some separation, you know, some on the edge. If you can get one that's laying up uh, on the top of the crust, it'll make the crust go down a little bit smoother. We get some flavor in that. So, yeah, just having it smack dab in the center, uh, not not ideal. The thing that I, I don't think is, is a factor at all, and it's certainly – by no means would, would be an excuse. But I'm, I'm curious about those little things that maybe you take for granted with a guy like Eduardo Rodriguez, where, you know, coming up uh, as, a, as a prospect with the Orioles uh, and then, you know, getting traded to the Red Sox and, and then with the Tigers, you know, all spring trainings, he's gotten ready in, in the humidity. He's gotten ready in, in Florida in the grapefruit it's true. And so, yeah. you know, is there is there an adjustment period for some guys in some positions? It probably would maybe impact pitchers a little bit more than the position players, right? Because you're just gripping a bat and you're, you're hitting it. Uh, but for pitchers, it could be a little bit different. So, you know, I'm sure some guys may have to have a little bit more of an adjustment period than others. But ultimately, again, not an excuse. Just could be one of those uh, curious reasons to explain, hey, man, you, you have to adjust a little bit sometimes when you join a new team and you're getting yourself ready for a new season. I don't have any data to back this up. Maybe maybe you do, Patrick. I, Cactus League feels like a more hitter-friendly environment in general. Is that something? Have you have you heard that at all? No, no, I, I haven't. I mean, it would make sense. It's, it's a little bit more at, at, at elevation, right? What, like 1,000 right. feet maybe above sea level? A little, little drier, I guess. Yeah, and again, just just the ball being drier, and so that's that's different when again you've got so much humidity uh, down in, in Florida, and, and your body probably produces a little bit more sweat than than you would out in uh, in the Cactus League. So again, is that just something to uh, to adjust for, uh, perhaps? But uh, I'm sure you're probably going to be asking those questions tomorrow when you go to the clubhouse. There you go. Uh, here is how Eduardo Rodriguez felt about his Diamondbacks Cactus League debut. Uh, good, good. Um, I was throwing my pitches uh, almost right where he wanted. Command was a little off, so but overall I feel good. Uh, velocity was right where he wanted, like 90 to 92 after 93 sometimes. So overall everything was good. Just location, they would, that's the one. That, that's what we're here in spring training for. So. What, what do you take from spring training outings usually? Do you just do you worry about results at all, or is it all about? No, I, I mean, I've been in spring training so much times already that I know, like, I know how it is. You know, like. There is some spring training that I think I give you like two runs on the whole spring training. There is some that I give it a lot of runs. So like for me, it's just more to to working on what I'm working. Like today was more working on, on my command and all that was off. So like that's something that I still need to work on it. But overall, like I'm feeling good with all my pitches. So and velocity was right what he wanted, which was like 90 to 93. So overall, I take the the good part out of it. And the good thing is like these results over here don't count. So that's perfect. The results here don't count, so that's perfect. There you go. Uh, well, well said by Eduardo Rodriguez. Uh, I did find it interesting that, like, going back through uh, his his career stats in spring training, Eduardo Rodriguez has been pretty darn good in spring training. Like, basically every year. Uh, last year he had a one four seven ERA. He's never had an ERA of even four. It's always been below four. Going back to 2014, where I, I don't even I think he was in camp, but I don't even think he was. Uh, he pitched in the majors at all at that point uh, back when he was with Baltimore. So, uh, so yeah, but again, uh, you're not really concerned at all about results at this point. Um, 
Here is also how Tori Lovello felt about Eduardo Rodriguez in this game, kind of sharing sharing the sentiment that uh, you're not exactly sounding alarm bells at this point. Um, I thought the ball was coming out of his hand pretty good. Maybe a little distracted by some play, some balls at the plate that he didn't he didn't necessarily get. It's part of the game, and I think you know we got to find a way to overcome that. But um, just an up mistake where the ball carried out of the ballpark for a three-run home run. And just, you know, maybe a little fastball dominant trying to find that location. But first outing, I'm fine with what he did. We just want to get that pitch count up and, and let it keep climbing. The first homer that Erod gave up, was that was the Marcus Semien shot, and it was an absolute bomb. Uh, but as you heard Tori say there, that the other one uh, sort of carried out. Uh, the wind was very much blowing out of Salt River Fields at that point in the game. So uh, I think there's another world where that's a fly out, and maybe, maybe this outing looks a little bit different for Eduardo Rodriguez. Uh, but yeah, nonetheless, uh, you know, this is a big investment for the Diamondbacks. You want to see him do well uh, in spring training for sure. But again, I'm going back to the fact that the stuff across the board looked pretty much as I expected it to. There weren't any alarming changes there. Uh, we saw Eduardo Rodriguez just the other day in live BP uh, really have his way with with some of the some of the Diamondbacks hitters. And, you know, hopefully for this team, he'll he'll start to look like that a little bit more in, in these games coming up. Yeah, he'll, he'll have that opportunity, obviously, and as we'll get to later on in the show, you know, he's obviously very important to uh, to the Diamondbacks' success, whether they win 100 games or, you know, whether they, they win 85 and they best the record from last year and then make another deep run because, uh, you know, the Diamondbacks definitely saw how important that starting pitching, you know, can, can be to take you deep into that postseason. And if you don't have someone like Brandon Fott coming out of nowhere uh, to, to be your, your third big horse that you can ride – you know, you, you need you need Eduardo Rodriguez to count on him in that rotation this season. Yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, in the World Series, the narrative was that the Diamondbacks didn't have that fourth starter. And so it was a bullpen game in game four. You know, you would have liked to see what Eduardo, you know, having Eduardo Rodriguez in that series would have looked like in retrospect. Uh, I'm not sure if today necessarily informs uh, that. Uh, hopefully it wouldn't, it wouldn't have looked like today. Uh, cause I think you, you maybe would have taken the, the bullpen game route at that point, but yeah, it's still early. No, no huge concerns there at this point. A couple of other notes from today's game, Blaze Alexander. We talked about him a lot on yesterday's show. He tripled in this game, went one for two, continues to look solid defensively. Uh, Eugenio Suarez, uh, came over in a trade from the Seattle Mariners a few months ago. He had a couple hits in this game, both with exit velos, well over 100. One of those a double, uh, also a single in this one. Those those things, uh, good to see. But I think the biggest narrative, Patrick, from Diamondback spring training today was that it appears that the Snakes Alive guy, his name, I believe, is Jeff Gazzardo, uh, returned. He, he Well, I guess not really returned. He came to Diamondback's camp, and he paid a visit to a number of players and also manager Tori Lovello, uh, he was standing uh, near uh, one of the one of the backfields and had a collection of Snakes Alive uh, po- like printed signs with him. I guess uh, replicas of of the real one, if you will. And what he was doing was was pretty fascinating. He was basically he was not only uh, asking for autographs. He not only was asking for Diamondbacks players and manager Tori Lovello to sign his additional copies that he had brought, but he was also handing Diamondbacks players and coaches a signed version of the Snakes Alive poster signed by uh, signed by himself. Uh, and Tori Lovello, I asked about this. I, I was like, I'm pretty sure I just saw Tori Lovello sign a Snakes Alive poster. Uh, and so I asked about this pregame, and uh, here is what Tori had to say. It was unbelievable. The guy said, here, I have a signature for you. He signed it and gave it to me, and he said, that's never happened to you before. I'm like, no, nobody's ever given me their autograph before asking me for mine. I thought it was a great move. <laughs> so that was the gentleman that had the original... I think he yeah, might have been I, the OG. I, I, yeah. heard some, I heard some interviews with him. He was yeah. doing national interviews and stuff after. Yeah. It was kind of cool. So he, he felt strongly that he deserved to hand one over to me, and I liked that. kind of liked it. So, um, yeah, I haven't signed that. I haven't signed that. I, I do know that after, um, after the NLCS in Philly, that I, that was a shirt I wore to the to the post game parties. That's what I had on. So I reached, so it reminded me of that. So if you're asking me what I was thinking, it reminded me of the post game celebration when we were away from the field that night. The shirt that I was wearing said the same thing, and I thought about that a few times. 
I mean, Patrick, you have to admire the the guts to go in there. And before he even asks for Tori Lovello's autograph, he gives him a signed version and says, no, you need my autograph more than I need yours. <laughs> that is a baller move. And and to get that printout from the printer, like, look, that just that one. I don't know if his printer has been MLB authenticated. Uh, hopefully, <laughs> at least the, the, the paper is. I'm almost curious, too, if, you know, I'm, I'm sure this guy, being the diehard that he is, uh, not capital D diehard. We're not sure if he signed up to the PHNX. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, he, but he's a diehard, at least in lowercase D sense. Um, but that's probably for his private collection. Then again, it does make you think, you know, on the secondary market, what would, you know, a, a Gabby Moreno signed Snakes Alive paper slash poster you know go for i i think that's a that's a very much a, a one of a kind Tori lavello i think probably would be tops right he's he's the guy he's the manager he almost in many ways was the star i thought of the postseason last year by by just the way that he was able to push all of the right buttons so uh, i i think that was uh that was a smart move by our buddy jeff i mean my question is what would a jeff gazardo signed snakes alive paper go for right i mean that's the real like that's really what the people want well, there's so many counterfeit. autograph. There's so many counterfeit of those that are going around. That again, that's why you need the certificate of authenticity. Right. Because I mean, I saw them in, in pretty much every shop. There was a guy selling out of his trunk at Camelback Ranch. It, it's crazy. So you you almost that's why you need to just pay the money to get the autograph from Jeff directly, and then you know it's real. Because anything else, it, it's probably a bootleg. You can't you can never be too sure these days. People selling fake, uh, fake snakes alive, like Jeff Gazzardo. That 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 would be. That's just that. That's an amazing narrative. I really hope that someone somewhere <laughs> is doing that. Uh, any speaking of things that people should be doing, uh, Arizona Lottery is introducing a unique new ticket and promotion called Arizona Adventure, and there are all sorts of amazing adventures that you can go on. Uh, I believe we had our Coyotes crew, if I'm not mistaken, uh, out at Papago Park. Uh, exploring that, doing the whole Arizona lottery thing the other day. That was fantastic. Uh, so play Arizona Adventure Lottery Tickets featuring three iconic landscapes, Pap uh, P Picacho Peak, if I can actually speak right now, Monument Valley and Camelback Mountain. These tickets have prizes of up to $50,000. It's a really, really cool thing they have going on. I'm a big outdoorsy person, so anything that involves the outdoors and Arizona Lottery. You can't go wrong with that. Uh, the Arizona Lottery is not just about playing games and winning prizes. It is also about giving back to the state and its communities. Visit azadventure.com for more information on how you can take an adventure for a chance to win $1 million in cash and Arizona travel prizes. Uh, speaking of adventure, uh, Desert Financial Credit Union uh, money is a huge adventure in, in and of itself. Uh, for more than 84 years, Desert Financial has been helping people along with that adventure. Uh, it is Arizona's largest, most trusted local credit union dedicating, uh, dedicated to creating exceptional experiences by giving back to the community and providing financial solutions that make lives better. Look to Desert Financial for checking and savings accounts, mortgages, loans, credit cards, investment options, and more. When you open a free checking account online, you can get $200 in bonuses. Get started by visiting desertfinancial.com slash 200. We also have, uh, speaking of incredible uh, no-brainer deals, we have one of those going on here at the PHNX Locker. Danielle, do we have that? Uh, yeah, there it is. Uh, we have a clearance wow. sale going on at the phnx locker right now through wednesday 30 percent off literally everything uh Damn. so if if black friday came and went and you you had a little bit of uh remorse about the purchases that you didn't make uh patrick now's a now's a time a good time to make up for it oh yeah definitely stock up you got to stock up now and by the time you're listening to this because if you're waiting around for the podcast and you're not watching live hey you know things happen you should be watching us live uh, on the phnx sports channel on youtube but if you're listening to this as a podcast wednesday's the last day so you, you need to act quickly to take advantage of these big discounts all right we're going to we're going to have what i promise will be a completely reasonable conversation in this next segment which goes back to the title of this show which is what would it take for the Arizona Diamondbacks to win 100 games in 2024? And I want to preface this by saying we don't necessarily 
think it is likely that the Diamondbacks will win 100 games in 2024. If Derek were here, he would probably have a bone to pick with that, and he would be trying to convince us why this is surely going to happen. I'm not quite in that camp, but I do think that in Major League Baseball, a sport that has as much volatility as this one does, a lot of teams can win 100 games if enough things go their way. Uh, Patrick, when I think of you know teams that won 100 games that I didn't necessarily expect, I go back to the San Francisco Giants back in 2021 when I thought they were going to win maybe like 70-something games and they won 107. Uh, these, 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 things happen, uh, these things happen in this sport. And the Dodgers last year too, which you know they they had you know plenty of injuries on the on the pitching front. And there are all those questions. Yeah, like you said, the the volatility is is real. Where you know ten to fifteen game difference, right? Expectations can be a certain way, and then just like that, a, a team that's pegged for you know ninety three wins can you know might only win seventy eight. They're they're under five hundred. They're selling off at the trade deadline, and then a team that you say hey, they're going to be around five hundred. They end up winning 10 to 15 more games to go into the postseason. So if you if you believe that the Diamondbacks are at least one game better than last year in the regular season and they're going to win 85 games, well, then you should say, you know what? Uh, at the high end, they very well could win 15 more and get uh, a 100-win season in 2024. So the Diamondbacks, according to fan graphs, are projected for 83 wins as of right now. If I go to their projected standings page, that's what I see. I think Baseball Prospectus has 85 wins right now for the Diamondbacks. So that's kind of the starting point here is right now the D-backs are projected for something in that mid-80 range. And so the question is, how do you get from the mid-80s uh, to 100? So we're talking about about 15, about 15 wins here. How do the Diamondbacks get an extra 15 wins Patrick, I'll just I'll pitch this over to you. What are kind of your initial thoughts about how this how this might happen? Well, now hearing us say it out loud because we were obviously just texting back and forth, and you go, hundred wins, yeah, that's on the high end. But then going, we got to find fifteen extra wins. We, we've got our, uh, our our job cut out for us. But sure. I think when you we actually dig into those projections, you're going to see, ooh, that's maybe a little bit low than you would expect, and and this guy can maybe take a big jump. Um, and and I, I think you know as as we go through this conversation, I kind of looked at the the Dodgers last year, won a hundred games, and say, okay, how were they able to do it? And 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 what were the the roles and the influences some of those players had? Do the Diamondbacks have players that can fill those roles? And the short answer is yes. So let's let's see if we can make this happen. All right, so. So I'll start with just Zip's projections for some of the Diamondbacks' better players. And we'll just kind of say, are these reasonable? Is there an opportunity for some of these guys to uh, to perform above and beyond these numbers? So Corbin Carroll, Zip's has it 4.6 wins above replacement. Corbin Carroll is coming off a six-war season. So... I don't think it's unreasonable that Corbin Carroll uh, would, you know, could finish well above that when all is said and done. Uh, you know, we could pretty easily pick up an extra two wins, I think, with Corbin Carroll having, you know, a six and a half war season, for example, in, in 2024, if he's able to, to build on what he did last year. Uh, Cattell Marte, similar story, uh, where uh, last season he was at 4.2 wins above replacement over at Fangraphs. Zips has him projected for 3.6. If he just maintains what he did last year, there's another half a win for you to pick up there. The last guy who's very much in this camp, I guess there's two more guys in this camp. Uh, Christian Walker is projected for 2.7, whereas last year he had 3.8. Geraldo Perdomo is projected for 1.7, whereas last year he had 2.7. So if you just add all that up, if those guys uh, just perform the way they did last year, as opposed to in line with what their projection is for 2024, you pick up about five wins from those four players alone. And I think it could end up being even even more than that, right? You you sure. hope Corbin Carroll doesn't. Yeah, you, you hope Carroll doesn't have any any sophomore slump. You, you hope he's able to maintain. But if he takes it to the next level, that's obviously not going to surprise you either. And, and I think a lot of these projection systems don't just look at one season to to figure out how good a guy is going to be and maybe put it in that context of oh man, this is what he did as a rookie. He's going to be even better as a sophomore. You know, you're you're taking some of those minor league numbers and and some of those comps to try to figure out where he is. So I think Carroll's probably the one that can really overshoot what the projections are uh, at this point since he's he's so so young in his career. Marte yeah. said can kind of take another step 
forward um and 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 walker you just gotta hope you know if if he could just average what he has the last two years you know about about five wins above replacement in, in 22 and right. maybe a little over four depending on which uh, version of wins above replacement you're using you know that's that's a four and a half win player and, and right there you're 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 putting yourself into the positive and gaining some of those 15 plus wins so so yeah, I mean maybe you get five or six there. I think you're yeah you're making a good case. It it could be it could be north of that, uh, especially if Corbin Carroll goes out and has like an eight war season or something ridiculous like that. Uh, a couple of other players that I'm I'm intrigued by in terms of their ability to far outperform what Fangraphs has expected for them. Eugenio Suarez is projected for two war in 2024. We've talked quite a bit on this show about his projections both at Bakota and at zips and how they're quite a bit lower than maybe maybe what you'd what you'd expect given his recent performance. Uh he was at 3.2 in 2023 in terms of war. A lot of that came from his defensive value he had a really good defensive season uh based on the Statcast metrics last year. Uh so if he's able to maintain at least some of that defense performance, you know, maybe take the offense a step up a little bit. It was kind of a down year for him offensively, basically right around league average. I think there's there's potential for Suarez to, to far outperform that two-war season that he's projected for. I think he was at 4.2 war uh, just a couple of years ago with the Mariners, so he's one guy I look at. The other guy that, that intrigues me on the position player side is Alec Thomas, uh, someone who who is projected for a bump. Fangraphs has him at 2.2 war for 2024. He was only 0.5 in 2023, uh, he, you know, struggling against lefties, that that was certainly a, a big part of that. Even against righties, there was some, so there were some inconsistencies there. But I think there's a world in which Alec Thomas, you know, kind of has a full-on breakout season where he finds a way to hang in there against lefties, becomes a, an everyday player, doesn't have to sit as often, and finds a way to to really just become a force against right-handed pitching. If he were able to take a step forward and you know, kind of raise uh, or approach the ceiling that he has that a lot of people have believed he has for a long time you know you could pick up another three or four wins potentially between between Suarez and Thomas yeah those those two guys are definitely in that that second tier and and for Thomas you know on on one hand you know you you see what the projections are and you say okay well that is an improvement off of last year um and then on the other you 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 see what he was able to do in the postseason and you think it's going to be more than that you know Uh, also you know he, he is the the sixth highest uh, as far as Zips is concerned on on the team. So Zips does like him in that way. So if everyone yeah. again just plays up a little bit, you say, all right, well, if he's sixth highest, he very well could be three three and a half wins above replacement. Um, so long as he's health healthy, you know, hopefully that um, you know the the bum wrist that he's uh, he's dealing with right now, hopefully that gets better, so he is able to be out there, you know, even more regularly. But but Thomas and Suarez, you know, they've got a little bit more left in the tank to be able to, to, to contribute to this total. Uh, I guess Gabby Moreno is another name I'd at least mention. Uh, he's already projected for, for a bump from, from last year. He was at 1.7 on fan last year, which is there's a huge discrepancy there between fan and baseball reference. Baseball reference has him being like four and a half war or something like that. Uh, the way that they measure defense is different and baseball references picking that up a whole lot more than Fangraphs is. Uh, but I do think there's a, you know, no matter which uh, which method you're using, I think there's a world in which Gabby Moreno has kind of a full-on breakout season. You know, we saw the power a little bit toward the end of last year. If if Gabby Moreno comes out and hits 20 homers or something, you know, and continues to be an elite defender behind home plate, I have to believe that, you know, that could be worth more than more than the 2.8 wins that he's projected for now. It's not a terrible projection. Like, I still think you'd be pretty happy if, if Gabby Moreno came out and had that season. But there's, at least in my mind, Patrick, there's there's room for more there, uh, you know, just given the ceiling that he has. Yeah, definite potential on, on both the defensive side and offensive side where he can still make those, those strides for a guy that was – you know, he he only missed being a, a qualified rookie by a, a, a couple of plate appearances. In fact, I don't even think it was plate appearances that disqualified him. It was his service time. So um, he's only ultimately was a was a rookie last year with so many of those other players. So he is one I, I think that can can take a big step forward and because wins above replacement has a lot to do with the position you play. You know, we know there's not a ton of you know great hitting catchers and 
Uh, and even yeah. really good defensive catchers can be hard to come by. So uh, he's got both of those skills and abilities that you know could could allow him to to jump up and uh, and outkick that coverage as far as his wins above replacement is concerned. Uh, Tim in the chat says Jordan Lawler rookie of year type season might propel them. Doubt that happens. He probably won't be up until mid year. Yeah, I think that's fair. They actually have Jordan Lawler projected for two point four. Uh, war as it is, which I which I think is actually pretty bullish, uh, more just yeah. because of playing time than anything else. Maybe I'm not sure if you know if he's not starting the year in the majors. How long does it take, uh, you know, for him to get that opportunity in the majors? I think is his early on performance down in AAA is going to be a big factor there. But yeah, I guess there you know there is maybe some world in which uh, Lawler finds his way up to the majors in May and has some crazy, you know, uh, Corbin Carroll-esque rookie season. And, uh, you know, you gain five wins or something right there. Don't expect that to happen. But Jordan Lawler is the kind of player who has a, you know, has a really high ceiling and you you wouldn't necessarily rule anything like that out. Switching gears over to the pitching side of things, uh, the Diamondbacks, actually several of their starting pitchers are projected lower than what they did last year. Zach Gallen, Zips has a 3.5. Last year he was a 5.2. That's almost a two-win difference right there. Merrill Kelly projected for 2.2. Last year, it was at 3.2. There's another win right there. Uh, and then Eduardo Rodriguez had a, obviously a really good year last year with the Tigers. He was at three war last year with Detroit, projected for 2.5. I think I just made about, uh, just uh, picked up about four wins right there, Patrick, just with those guys uh, finding a way to repeat what they did a year ago. Yeah, I, when, when we were discussing this, I, 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 as I mentioned, I, I was looking at it from the perspective of using the Dodgers as a template, and they didn't have very strong starting pitching. Like They had a lot of guys who yeah. contributed, but they didn't have the front of the rotation guys like the Diamondbacks have, obviously. So Bobby Miller, who got a late start to a season, was worth 2.8 wins above replacement. You had Clayton Kershaw, 2.2. Um, the, the entire the, the best five guys that they had was worth just under 10 wins above replacement. Um, and really, uh, you can very easily get that from maybe even Zach Kelly, uh, excuse me, maybe even Zach Allen and Merrill Kelly. Just those two <laughs> guys throw Eduardo Rodriguez into the mix, and you've already matched what the the best of the Dodgers rotation had last year. So, yeah, I, I think these projections they can probably you know be be exceeded by by the pitching staff alone because, man, Zach Allen, we know he's he's playing for a contract soon here. Um, you know, very soon, uh, Eduardo Rodriguez and Merrill Kelly, they, they've earned theirs, but look, they're, they're trying to win a World Series here. That, that, that's the big goal that's at hand, too. So uh, they're, they're keeping that in mind, and I, I think with the rotation in particular, that's really where they can make some, some major strides. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I think the starting rotation is, is uh, a strength of this Diamondbacks team for sure. Uh, you know, I, I think even Zips, you know, these are not necessarily bullish projections on these guys, but I believe even Zips has all four of the Diamondbacks top four uh, guys in their rotation. This includes Brandon Fott. It has all of those guys with sub four ERAs, which would be obviously pretty big. And yeah, you know, if you get Zach Gallen getting back to his 2022 self in particular with, you know, an ERA of two and a half uh, instead of three and a half. That, you know, there's there's a lot of room uh, for gains to be had there as well. So, yeah, I think I think on the pitching side, there's there's some uh, some opportunity here for sure. Uh, Brandon Fott, I guess, is someone we should talk about a little bit more. He's projected for 2.1 wins above replacement, which again is a pretty. I mean, that's a pretty solid projection. I think if you got a two win season from Brandon Fott, you know, I think that's a, an ERA of right around four that they're projecting him for. That would be uh, like you'd be you'd be pretty happy with that. If he can give you 170, 180 innings or whatever with an ERA around four, that would be pretty fantastic. But at the same time, uh, we saw Brandon Fott in the postseason in particular. He kicked things up a couple of notches. I mean, he was getting all sorts of chase out of the strike zone. Uh, he was getting a lot of swing and miss when guys were swinging. Uh, you know, uh, obviously the Diamondbacks were protecting him a little bit. He didn't he didn't face lineups a third time through. We have to kind of see what that looks like when Tori Lovello allows him to stay in games a little bit longer. But I don't think it's crazy to say that Brandon Fott could have, you know, a, a, something of a breakout season in 2024. I'm not saying that's him getting Cy Young votes or, you know, having a, an ERA of, of 2.8 or something like that. But, you know, you could pretty easily pick up another win or two from Brandon Fott really coming out and having an excellent year. 
Yeah, he was really impressive in the postseason last year. And, and you know, we mentioned it on Monday, just how highly the coaching staff and Brent Strom think of him and, and know how important he is, obviously, to, to this rotation. So he's he's another one of those sophomore players that you hope doesn't slump and can really use that that momentum that was, was built all throughout October. And, you look, when you have the swing and miss stuff like that, you know, that's that's more likely to stick than a, than a guy who has to kind of finesse his way through and, you know, and, and maybe luck is on your side a little bit more if you're missing bats uh, in the capacity that that fought was able to do it, you know, last year. You, yeah. you feel really good about him to be, you know, be able to make that jump up to maybe, you know, a number two type quality starter to go along with an ace in Zach Gallon and, and another number two starter in Merrill Kelly. You know, as you said, with the projections from Zips, Brandon Fott is the second best pitcher, you know, according to this projection system, um, you know, right behind Gallon. So, you know, does does Brandon Fott actually care about that? Is is he walking around cocky, thinking, "Oh, I I guess I am the second best"? No, he has still has so you know so much to prove and and, and plenty of ways to go. Um, but that confidence is obviously going to be there, you know, with him when he takes it uh, out on the mound. In fact, tomorrow where uh, he's going to be making his uh, Cactus League debut. So. Uh, I, I think Fott's going to be really exciting to watch, and I love the fact too. Uh, I, I I know that uh, Tori hasn't you know divulged what the what the order of the rotation is going to be, but if if more likely than not Fott's the number four starter, pitching against yeah. other teams' fourth starter, I think is going to provide him even more of a of a cushion and a pillow to go out there and say, all right, even if you don't have your best stuff the first two innings or so, it it's you're going to get that run support against someone else's number four starter uh, that, that your team is, is hitting against. So that's going to set him up for a lot of success success this year, I believe. Yeah, I mean, I guess, uh, you know, getting away from from the numbers a little bit. I mean, we're, we're like trying to we're trying to like build out 100 wins like in on a computer right now. Uh, I think just having Paul Seawald for a full season, there's a lot of value there for the Diamondbacks and you know, uh, Zips is going to say that that Seawald is worth. I think it's zero point seven. War is what it's projecting in uh, in twenty twenty four. He was at zero point nine in twenty twenty three. The impact of relief pitchers, uh, you know, War is just not really a good metric for relievers in general. I think it's kind of ridiculous to really read too much into a WAR calculation on on a relief pitcher. Uh, but you have Seawald, you have Ginkle, you have Ryan Thompson in place at the back end. You know, the Diamondbacks, uh, they, they didn't really add anything to the bullpen this year, which has been something I've talked about is something I, I maybe would have liked to see them do. But just having a a certain this level of steadiness at the back end of the bullpen, it's something they haven't had for a long time. And it's something they certainly didn't have in the first four months last year. Like how many games did the Diamondbacks lose in the first half? you know, in, in the beginning of the second half of the season last year because their their bullpen was really a disaster and guys didn't know what their roles were. And, you know, it was Miguel Castro as the closer, then it was Andrew Chafin, then it was Scott McGuff. There was, you know, there there were a lot of different moving pieces throughout that. I think the bullpen, Patrick, could could win the Diamondbacks some games as well. Yeah, they're, they're going to have to, right? You, you need some big performances out of uh, at least three relievers in your bullpen in order to be a hundred win team, right? So Seawald, Ginkle, and Thompson, they're the favorites to be those guys, but but still sure. you, you need three, you know, big dudes right in the in the back of your bullpen. You know, going back to what you were saying about not adding, you know, an, uh, a notable reliever in the bullpen, I can't help but think with with the way Mike Hazen operates and you know doing things on a different level and you know we're not we're not even a fly on the wall to know really what's going on behind the scenes with the front office but with really only Miguel Castro and Paul Seawald not having options granted you're not going to option Kevin Ginkle uh, but the other guys they they actually do have options so uh, push comes to shove as we get late into spring training Sometimes veterans are made available, whether they don't make a staff or they just don't pitch well in spring. But Hazen, Lavello, their their coaching staff, their scouts say, no, this is a guy that's that's worthy of you know a big league deal or um, you know give him a, a two way contract, whatever it may be. So it could allow them to to still add you know in, in the latter parts of of March and, and early April for any any veteran guys so they're doing it frugally right like you'd like for them to go out and spend a guy uh, spend money on a reliever but we also know that you know it's such a volatile market when it comes to signing yeah. a relief pitcher and and sometimes 
most times they, they get overpaid. Even if you're paying a, uh, a guy that's fairly decent $5 million, you, you, you might blow all of that, right, that value right away and, and it just isn't worth it. So um, perhaps they'll be a little bit frugal and it'll be interesting to see what they do you know, late in, uh, in spring training and, and, and pick up some guys off the scrap heap, similar to what they were able to do with Ryan Thompson. So they were able to do it once before. Maybe that's, that's part of their plan to, to go ahead and, and add more notable names to the rotation and Rodriguez and, you know, your Petersons and your Grichuks doing it on the cheap with, with these relievers. Maybe that's, you know, that's part of the, the, the chemistry and uh, the mixology of, of all this for Mike Hazen. Yeah, that's a good call. I think in general, just, you know, trading for a reliever, at least in my mind, is just is just better in, in some ways, because at that point, you've seen them pitch for a few months. You kind of you kind of have a sense of like what that year's version of that pitcher will look like. Whereas, you know, if if a pitcher had a, is coming off a good year, you don't necessarily know that that's going to carry over. Relievers are obviously so, so volatile. So it's definitely something they could look to do at the trade deadline if they felt uh, a need to do so. Uh, Elise in the chat said, if we can use the bullpen meme like 25% less uh, than we did in the first half of last season, I feel good about our chances of increasing the win total. Uh, yeah, the the, bull, the, uh, the bullpen meme uh, that we have around here did, uh, it's ladies and gentlemen, the bullpen. Uh, people who follow us on, on Twitter know exactly what I'm talking about. But yes, I know people would be very on board uh, with with not seeing that quite as much in 2024, and I think there's a there's a good chance that you won't, uh, given the the steadiness that I talked about earlier. I think my biggest takeaway, Patrick, from from kind of thinking about this this path to 100 wins, like obviously it's ambitious. So we're not expecting all of these different things that we talked about to happen, but I think like like the path to 90 wins, for example, is is really pretty reasonable. You know, you can get to 90 pretty much just with. A, few, a handful of guys repeating really good seasons that they had last year rather than regressing. Uh, and again, that's not, you know, that's not like their, their baseline projection necessarily. The computers are saying there are reasons to believe that what they did last year isn't something that, that they'll repeat. But yeah, I think just looking at this objectively, there's, there's a path for the Diamondbacks to get, you know, well over 85 wins without like, you know, a whole bunch of players who who are no names coming out and, and, you know, becoming stars or something like that overnight. And the NOS is a pretty strong division other than the Colorado Rockies. Uh, but you're, you're not playing <laughs> as many series against the Dodgers and, and the Giants who, you know, sure. are they a little suspect perhaps? Padres, a little bit suspect. Um, but still, you're not playing the Dodgers, you know, 19 times uh, a year anymore. So you're, you're playing the, the AL Central. A little bit more frequently right and so uh, you might be able to take advantage of of those series a lot more so than the ones that are in your division because look even even the worst team in the nl west i mean it's probably true for it it is it's true for every division there are teams that just own you or hey we're better than this team yeah in every way but for some reason they are the ones who are pushing all the right buttons and uh shoot we, we had a losing record against this team that lost 100 games or lost close to that so uh, that's that's less likely to happen now that there's there's a lot more balance in the schedule. Well, uh, speaking of of the future and trying to uh, project or or predict the future, uh, BetMGM Sportsbook app. Uh, if you have the ability to know what is going to happen, uh, rather than just uh, look at the, these silly projections that we like to look at, uh, BetMGM Sportsbook is the place to go. And show the world that you know what the future holds. Uh, sign up for BetMGM. Use bonus code PHNX. Place your first BetMGM Sportsbook wager through BetMGM Sportsbook mobile application for at least $5. You will receive $150 instantly in additional winnings regardless of your wager's outcome. Check out the show notes for full details. And now listen to Damon talk about the disclaimer. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369-NEW York. Call 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 21 plus to wager. Please gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP-ARIZONA. 1-800-BETS-OFF-IOWA. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 Puerto Rico in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Visit BetMGM.com for terms. This promotional offer is not available in New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico. Oh. Patrick, you really just, just yeah. missed the moment there. But Derek, Derek knows what that means. There, that's a thing. Puerto Rico, ho. So it's okay. Don't worry. Okay. There's people who get that. I did something All different. Right. All right. I'm just not one of them. What else is it's new? My thing. Uh, 
Uh, also want to tell you all real quick about our friends over at Gila River Resorts and Casinos. They offer an authentic and immersive experience with an unprecedented level of entertainment and excitement that you won't find anywhere else in the desert. They have certainly set a high bar. Their state-of-the-art gaming floor has it all with over 800 slot machines, five blackjack tables, and live table games, not to mention Arizona's largest casino sports book as well. Uh, you do you at Gila River Resorts and Casinos. Visit play at Gila.com for more details. And I think they still thing. have the guarantee. They, they still guarantee that if you buy chocolate milk and put it in your mini fridge, nobody will drink it. That's the thing that they guarantee. And it's kind of why I do like staying with them from time to time. <laughs> that of course is not based on a true on a true story uh anyway we're gonna finish off today uh with some fun checking out some new mlb satin jackets that have been floating around and i haven't i, I haven't checked this within the last few hours but i'm pretty sure that basically all of these are sold out right now uh, these are over at, at homage.com which I guess is like an MLB licensed thing and they made these and they're all pretty spectacular. Uh, so we'll start by looking at the Diamondbacks one, which is uh, pretty, pretty beautiful. I know Jacob was griping about this yesterday, thinking that there was too much purple, but Patrick, people don't complain about too much purple in there. Like that's not a complaint that Diamondbacks fans ever have. No, that one looks so good. That That is just... Perfect. I actually got excited because when they had the little teaser about, you know, the date that it's coming out, I saw the purple and I immediately go, oh man, the Rockies are getting a cool purple jacket. And people zoomed in and they're like, that's not green. That's more of a teal. <laughs> Rockies do, at least in the, in the, the mid nineties, they, they did use a little green in some of their logos in and around Coors Field, like security sure. jackets had that. Um, but that Diamondbacks one is just is so clean. I guarantee you're going to see it in Zach Allen's locker at some point this season. He's going yeah. to. Yeah, we 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 know we know for certain that Zach Allen is on board with the purple. Uh, he's not going to complain about too much. It's not sold out yet. It is not sold out. The Diamondbacks. Okay, I guess there's a few of those left. So if you're interested, they're they're pretty fantastic. Uh, speaking of uh, speaking of your Rockies, uh, we take a look at what the uh, what the Rockies looks like. Uh, I guess we'll just we'll just run through some some NL uh, some NL West teams here. Uh, there it is. Uh, it's like a little it's a little plainish, but uh, you know I, I don't mind it. Patrick, what do you think? It it looks so old. Like and I don't think in a bad way. It's like the Rockies are not that they haven't been around that long, right? It's thirty one years. So and sure. yet it, it has like a classic kind of look to it, which was you know the the original idea they wanted to resemble and feel kind of like the yankees as much as possible so you know they hit on that and yeah it's simple uh but but i think it's it's very measured and it's it looks sleek it's it's one of the better ones in the nl west i'll say that yeah i guess uh we'll stick with the nl west here uh i don't know maybe the padres uh padres here's what we have for them this uh, one should get the chat going the comments should start flooding in here yeah, I think it's pretty ugly. Is that what you think? <laughs> I don't know. I don't hate it. I also no? don't know that I would wear it because I feel like if I was like riding through somebody's neighborhood, people would flag me down and be like, hey, I was expecting a package. Um, did you miss my <laughs> block? I'm like, no, I don't I don't work for UPS. Like it just looks like a delivery driver jacket. Uh, which again is not a bad thing. I, I'm just kind of on the fence about it. Yeah, it does it does give off UPS vibes for sure. Uh, the Giants, uh, I think that the Giants is pretty, pretty classic. Uh, no, right. uh, yeah, I mean, you can't, you can't hate it, right? I guess. No, no, pretty basic, pretty, pretty basic, but good. Uh, Dodgers also, also pretty basic. Uh, but again, if you're a fan of the Dodgers and the Dodgers blue is pretty, pretty iconic. Uh, probably can't, uh, probably can't complain about this one too much. Um, one that one that I know you have complaints over though, Patrick. Can we get the Nationals one? Uh, yeah, that was the only one that I wasn't really digging. It's 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 white. So I mean, I guess that's a this is a very specific fashion choice. I guess like I don't know if you're going to a club and you know you're not going to be eating anything that has ketchup or yellow mustard on it, then okay, <laughs> wear it out. But also, why are you wearing that out to a club in the first place? It's just white. Like just it's it looks like bad news to me. Yeah, we were having this discussion the other day over which MLB team has like just the worst team name. 
and uh, multiple people pretty emphatically said the Washington Nationals. So I guess that uh, just just sort of goes along with that conversation. And they're the only team that didn't have one of these jackets actually in the 90s. They're the only one, right? Expos uh, moved to yeah. Washington, D.C., but you know the the Rays and, and the D-backs, they're 98. So, hey, they're, they're 90s kids. Yeah, uh speaking of uh, of 90s kids, uh the Marlins, uh this one Ooh. this one is pretty nice. I'm a I'm a pretty big fan of this one, Patrick. This is beautiful. Sold out. It is sold out. That one is looks it? very sharp. Yes. Yeah. Uh just that that deep like turquoisey color. Uh it's 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 iconic. I wish the Marlins would would do more with that. Uh That's the Mar- of, here, Here's the thing like I I don't really I don't really wear too many MLB or team specific gear, but the Marlins, because they're, they're just like the Marlins. I feel like you could wear a Marlins jacket just for style and no one's really going to care. They're not even going to bother asking you like, Oh wow, you're a big Marlins fan. They're just like nice jacket. I feel like that's one of the few teams you could actually rock some of the merch and people just wouldn't care. They'd be like, the color looks great. It just looks great. It, yeah, the color the color in and of itself is fantastic. Uh, well, well, we'll go ahead and, and stop there. Uh, if you want to check these out, homage.com, most of them are gone, but a few of them, including the Diamondbacks, apparently is still there. Uh, really, really cool. Um, I, I, If I were not like a, a, a journalist who's supposed to have like integrity and not go around wearing like individual teams gear, I would probably get in on this. Uh, but yeah, there's, the, there's, there's some, some pretty cool stuff here. Uh, but that is all that we have uh, here for this Tuesday edition of the PHNX D-Back show. We have a crazy night here at PHNX HQ. I know the Coyotes show is going to be going live here shortly with their post-game show. Hopefully the Coyotes won. Did the Coyotes finally win, Danielle? Do we know? Uh, last I checked, they were losing. They're losing? Yeah. Man, the Coyotes, just, the Coyotes just never win anymore. It's unfortunate. Uh, <laughs> but... Uh, you should all follow us on Twitter. You can find me at Jesse and Friedman. You can find Patrick at Patrick D Lyons. You can find our beat account at PHNX underscore D backs. Derek will be back tomorrow posting all of the ridiculous memes and whatnot that he usually has going when games are being played. Uh, you can also, uh, find our whole company here at PHNX at PHNX underscore sports. That's on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Thank you all again so much for making time for us here on this Tuesday evening. And remember, kids, baseball is fun, but it's so much more fun when you win 100 games.